Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, this is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Mike Pearson. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for tuning in to AOA. Certainly appreciate being a part of your day. And what a day it is already, folks. We are seeing the market deteriorate as we look across the pond to the European Union and the UK, and all of the global currencies are trying to find their footing. We're going to discuss that with Darren Newsom here in just a little bit. And then in segment two, we're going to talk with John Baranek of DTN Weather. We're going to get the, the fill on what's happening with Hurricane Ian as it moves closer to the coast. And we're going to get his thoughts on what to expect through harvest season as that gets close here across the Midwest. And in segment three, Jackie Fatka of Farm Progress will be joining us. Of course, Jackie is the policy editor. She is going to provide an update on what has been happening this past week in Washington, D.C. We saw the Trucks Act introduced in Congress about a week ago. And later on this week, the White House is having a much-anticipated conference on hunger and nutrition. We're going to get Jackie's thoughts on that. It's been an interesting deal to watch get developed. And Jackie's been keeping that close. And then at the end, we're going to talk just briefly about what's developing the alternative meat space, folks. And we're going to talk with our friends from Interplant tomorrow on AOA. Before we jump into all of that, however, let's talk these markets. Joining us is Darren Newsom. And Darren, there is some action happening in the world of uh, currencies today. Yeah, there really is. I mean, overnight trade, we saw we saw the U.S. dollar index skyrocket to above 1450. I mean, it, this has just been an incredible move. Uh, you've got uh, central banks around the world uh, looking to fight inflation as best they can uh, by raising interest rates. To me, it's kind of a moot point, but, you know, it, it's kind of uh, I don't know that it's actually going to work all that well till we can fix supply and demand situations. Uh, but overall, yes, we've got we've got interest rates going up around the world. But what's interesting is, you know, global investors still like the dollar more than everything else. I don't know. You can say it's a, it's a comment uh, on uh, overall economic standing around the world. But right now it's the dollar that's drawing the most attention, drawing the most buying interest. And Darren, when you look at a check, a technical chart rather here of the U.S. dollar, we're screaming higher. We're up 20, 21 year highs right now. How much farther on the chart can this thing reasonably run? Well, you know, we've got uh, I think if we go back to the January, what is it? January 2002 high uh, sitting up there at one twenty fifty one. And then, and then next to that, you've got the July 2001 high of 121.02. There's really not much, you know, in the way of, of resistance uh, technically until you get there. Now, is, is the dollar overbought? Absolutely. But again, this is fundamentals. This is, this is Newsom's rule number six coming into play. Fundamentals win in the end. Uh, everybody wants to own dollars. Nobody wants to sell dollars. U.S. has the better economy in the world. Uh, and so the, so there's more buying than selling. It just boils down to that. doesn't matter if it's overbought or oversold. Uh, right now, money continues to flow into the dollar. And until that changes, you know, it's probably going to continue to push higher. Well, Darren, you mentioned fundamentals matter. The fundamentals here in the commodity market, particularly the grains, are being shaped as harvest moves to center stage. What are we seeing basis do here with harvest on the run? We're seeing we're seeing both corn and soybean basis weaken a little. We have to we have to take this a bit with a grain of salt. Yes, they're weakening, but it's it's a seasonal move that we all always see in September. We should just say we nearly always see in September. Uh, there are there's bushels being sold, and rightfully so. Uh, future spreads are saying you know don't put this in commercial storage. There's no carry. So you know you go ahead and sell it. You've got strong basis. You've got strong cash prices, and so that, that's weakening basis a little bit. But historically. Well, you know, basis is still strong. We're still above the previous five-year highs if we look at a weekly close-only map, or excuse me, weekly close-only chart. So, I mean, yes, it's been weakening, but it's still strong. Basis is still strong for both markets, telling us there's a great deal of demand and a lack of supplies. Even with harvest going on, there's a lack of supplies. 
There is indeed. Darren, I, I want to turn your focus to something you did some recent writing on, which is the cattle market. Had the cattle on feed report out on Friday. There have been a lot of analysts, myself included, who have been bulled up on this cattle market. Darren, surely we're going to see the rally start to develop. Your take is a little bit different. Can you talk about what you're seeing in the spreads of the cattle market? Yeah, the spreads have been bullish for, excuse me, <laughs> the spreads have been bearish for more than a year. And, and that simply isn't changing. Now, that being said, you know, with October getting ready to move into delivery, into its delivery month, uh, we did see the OCD spread go into bullish territory. And this is the first time, I don't know, in 12, 18 months that we've seen any cattle spread go into bullish territory. But, you know, as we look further out, it's still neutral at best, bearish at most. Uh, you know, the, the spreads throughout August, and this is really what was interesting, is that the spreads throughout August were telling us, you know, we still have a lot of cattle on feed. We still have a lot of placements going on. And that's exactly, supposedly, according to USDA's number, that's exactly what happened in August. So, you know, these spreads have been telling us all along that the market just simply isn't bullish uh, fundamentally, yet it continues to hold relatively well. And what was interesting at the end of last week is that we saw the cash market starting to kick up again uh, with packers paying up to 145 in the South, reportedly, all while the box beef market is just crumbling at this time of year. So a lot of interesting things going on in the cash market. To me, overall, long-term situation still looks to be bearish. We'll see if it changes. Darren, that, that cash cattle, or not cash cattle, seeing the box values fall mm -hmm. apart seasonally as we come out of summer. That's expected, isn't it? It's to a certain degree, yes. Again, this is a seasonal move. Grilling season uh, grilling season gets shut down. Uh, but I think we also have to build in, you know, there's been so much talk about inflation this and inflation that. Uh, and, you know, we, we're starting to see it possibly have an effect on the box beef market where, you know, people just don't want to pay the same high price. They're, they're putting that money elsewhere, uh, you know, possibly to, to, into other areas. So they're not going out and buying that high priced beef. Again, grilling season's coming to an end. There's no really no reason for it. So, you know, it's putting a it's putting pressure on the box beef market. If we look at the cold storage report for, for August as well, we started to see a bit of a build uh, in, in beef stock. So, I mean, all of this fits together. Demand is slowing down uh, for beef at this point, uh, putting some pressure on the boxed market. Yet again, it's still interesting. Packers are willing to pay up, or at least they were at the end of last week. They were end of last week, Darren, thinking ahead to the end of this week. Given the weakness, do you expect to see a little bit of drop in that cash price? I, I wouldn't think so, because, again, we saw the Octi spread uh, do pretty well. Uh, you know, October's holding together well. Uh, basis is actually pretty strong right now uh, in, uh, in the cattle market. So I would say, you know, we could hold fairly steady uh, this week, closing out September. Once we get into October, though, it would not be too surprising uh, to start to see the, the cash market crack a little bit. Darren, while we're talking proteins, the hog market has been on fire off and on throughout this summer. Now it seems like we, we have been seeing a little bit of a pullback. Where do you see lean hogs going from here? You know, lean hogs, they've got a short-term downtrend. I mean, they, they were just kind of collapsed over the last couple of weeks. Uh, and again, it's losing some of its fundamental steam. Just as the uh, just as the cattle spreads have been bearish for, you know, 12 months or so, hog spreads have been bullish for a long time. And some of that's starting to leak out of the market now. As we look, um, a lot of those spreads have turned neutral as we as we look down the road, you know, into the winter and next spring time frame. So, you know, it, it seems to be losing some of its luster in here, uh, at least on the on the fundamental side. And that could, that could start to on the on the on the non-commercials could start to pull money out of there as well you know just on the idea they, they've made a run now they're going to be looking in other areas absolutely that's what traders do folks we've been talking to darren newsom at darrennewsom.com always appreciate your analysis of america is brought today. to you by Senex you, mextron synthetic diesel engine oils oils that run smart Seed Innovation Protection Alliance Seed Company members invest 15% of sales into new seed innovations for your cereal acres. Check the bag for certified seed or single-use agreement restrictions so you don't step over the line. Or talk to your seed dealer. Plant breeders develop better, stronger genetics for your farm. So let's reinvest together to improve yields and quality. Without your patronage and trust, seed companies wouldn't be able to continually develop new genetics, traits, seed treatments, and other innovations to meet your needs. The landscape of media has changed, and people are more skeptical than ever about where they get their news and information. While major news outlets show decreasing credibility, your local farm radio station still shows strong marks. 
In a recent survey, farmers rated information from their farm broadcasters as almost twice as reliable as major news outlets. Farm Radio continues to be transparent, honest, and trustworthy. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. This is Ernie Johnson, Jr. Sports is about overcoming obstacles, and college coaches work hard to help young men overcome Duchenne muscular dystrophy. It's called Coach to Cure MD, and you can help. Text the word CURE to 501-501 to donate $25 on your next mobile phone bill, or go online to coachtocuremd.org. Text the word CURE to 501-501. Help coaches cure MD. Brought to you by the American Football Coaches Association. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed on AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to AOA here on this day. Folks, we are going to be talking weather. John Baranek of DTN Weather joins us next. And the big weather story developing across the country is down in the southeast. And it's the first named hurricane to be approaching landfall in some time. John, Hurricane Ian, what's the current update? Yeah, so right now, uh, overnight, uh, Ian uh, finally uh, made it to hurricane strength. It's been moving through the Caribbean here all through uh, late last week and over the weekend. Uh, it's south of the western tip of Cuba, and it looks like it'll be making its way across that here tonight into, or early tomorrow morning, uh, and then working its way northward through the eastern Gulf of Mexico. So uh, areas around Florida are going to be watching this very closely um, the track on this is, is a little bit difficult because it's going to be kind of working up the uh, western coast of, of Florida. And so if it, uh, you know, the eastern side of the track kind of have it getting towards Tampa, probably sometime on Wednesday or Wednesday night. But uh, the, the western side of that kind of envelope brings it towards Apalachicola. Um, if, if folks are familiar with the little bump there. Uh, on the on the Florida Panhandle, and that would be kind of Friday. So it could be sometime, anytime between here, Wednesday night and Friday when that finally makes landfall. But it's going to be affecting Florida significantly here uh, later this week. Heavy rainfall um, surging from from the seas, um, strong wind gusts along the coasts, and um, you know eventually that's going to cross into the southeast here Friday and this weekend, and it's going to be dumping all kinds of rain here from. Uh, perhaps is uh, Alabama all the way up into Virginia uh, with some heavy rainfall potential. Oh, wow. John, how long has it been since we had a hurricane make landfall here in the U.S.? Has it happened oh, yet geez. this season? Put me on the spot, but I don't remember one. Uh, it hasn't happened yet this season. Uh, we had a couple of tropical storms close, but uh, no hurricanes. Um, last year, and you're putting me on the spot. I can't remember, actually. Uh, I'd have to go take a look at it again. But we had one last season. I mean, it's not like we've had a, a drought of hurricanes. Oh, no, 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 no. No, last year was, um, uh, if, man, if I can remember correctly, it was either 2020 or 2021 where we actually had 30 uh, named systems. So it was it was a very active year. Um, uh, and I believe we had a few. Oh, yes. Now, I'm, I'm, I can't even... I can't believe I forgot Hurricane Irma that went through New Orleans and up the um, the, uh, the Mississippi River here uh, about a, a, a year and a month ago, and it uh, 
produced all sorts of damage there along the port and screwed things up for for uh, getting grain and stuff out of the country. So I'm surprised I can't right. remember that off the top of my head. Yeah, Hurricane Irma, another supply chain challenge from last year. John, right. given Hurricane Ian's potential to move farther west here as it goes through that western gulf, is there the potential that it could end up causing more havoc for those growers in Louisiana, Arkansas, up through the Delta who have been struggling to get those beans out? Nope, I don't think so. Uh, everything should stay well enough, far enough to their east where that's not an issue. Um, the rainfall from this, and it's a little difficult to say now because, you know, it would be this weekend when it occurs, but could get up into uh, Kentucky and into Ohio. But I think that's probably the, the farthest north we're going to see this uh, system have its influence. All right, John. Well, as we're talking Corn Belt there, Eastern Corn Belt, Illinois, Ohio, Kentucky, up north and east of there. How do the next couple of weeks look as they get their, their crops out? Well, it's going to be a little chilly. Uh, we've got uh, a system that went through over the weekend, produced some scattered showers. We have showers continuing there now. We've got a, a stronger cold front that's going to be moving through tomorrow. And uh, it looks like we're going to see some frosty conditions, at least in the upper Midwest, but probably uh, around the Great Lakes as well uh, this week. Uh, a couple of days this week probably have that going on. Um, outside of that and the potential uh, rainfall from Ian, uh, over the far eastern corn belts, uh, we're just going to say mostly dry. I mean, there's a, there's a few showers out there, but not too bad until we get into next week. So Ian's going to hold up the, the large-scale pattern here, and there is going to be a system that moves out of the Rockies into the plains late this week and for the weekend. Scattered showers are looking likely there. It's going to take probably until early next week to get them into the eastern corn belt, uh, but they could be a little bit heavier because – Ian's going to lay down some uh, or bring in some, some good moisture that'll probably linger around. So that system will have a little bit better moisture next week as it gets into the Eastern Corn Belt. All right, John, well, let's talk about that system over the Rockies. What do you see happening for the uh, Western Corn Belt here over the week ahead? Yeah, so um, really most of this week is going to be dry. So if you have a chance to go out and conditions are right for you to go out and harvest, uh, it looks like a pretty good week until we get to about Friday or so. And then that system moves out of the Rockies and into the Northern Plains. Um, the Dakotas, Montana, all the way down to Western Nebraska, start to see some showers. And again, that's going to be a slow mover because of Ian. And so we'll see those showers just kind of gradually move their way across the upper Midwest over the weekend and early next week, and then into the Eastern Corn Belt. But, um, you know, being so far out in the West, there's not a whole lot of moisture with it. I mean, it's going to take several days. So, you know, a couple days of rain uh, could add up to some moderate amounts. But for the most part, it looks pretty light until it gets uh, east of the Mississippi River, really. John, that particular geography you touched on there, really southeast North Dakota, all the way down through Kansas and Oklahoma. They've been dry. They've been dry all season. Any chance for a pattern shift for those folks? Uh, no, unfortunately, it doesn't really look like it. Not for the first uh, few weeks of October here. Um, you know, for the most part, we're going to stay above normal in temperatures. Of course, our normal temperatures are dropping every day, but uh, our, we should stay above normal for the most part. And the chances for, for showers are pretty low. We will see some little systems moving through from time to time, like this one coming up this week. And as long as we don't have a hurricane stopping the flow, those should be moving through uh, with, you know, fairly decent speed and, and bringing just some isolated showers from here, uh, here and there. So we're not expecting a whole lot across those plain states, uh, especially down in, in the southwestern plains. So this the system this weekend really is not going to touch those uh, wheat areas down there for western Kansas down to the uh, western Texas. Um, and, you know, the ones that are coming up don't really look like they'll have much impact for those areas either. John, I was looking at the drought monitor, and here a few weeks ago, we saw a little pattern shift, some more moisture moving into Texas, and we saw that drought starting to, to be mitigated there across the southeastern part of that state. It looks like it's making a comeback. Is Texas drying out? Yeah, you're right. We did see some pretty good uh, moisture there across much of that state. Um, well, really the eastern parts of the state and southern parts of the state, as you mentioned, and really bit into that drought pretty well. But it has gotten drier. Um, since then, uh, over the last couple of weeks, haven't seen much. We saw a little bit over the weekend. There were some spotty showers that moved through, but nothing really of consequence. And really, unless we get a, a tropical system moving through, we don't really see a whole lot of uh, potential for that state, really seeing any any more benefits um, with some, some more rainfall. So I think the drought is starting to come back. Um, 
uh, over those. So we got a brief reprieve, I think, from it. Uh, hopefully some folks got uh, some planting of their, their winter crops. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't see a whole lot coming up for, for optimism in that area. John, one of the things I heard as Ian was being discussed was that it could ramp up in strength very, very quickly because of the temperature of the water there in the Gulf of Mexico. Is that something you're tracking? And if so, how elevated is it? Yeah, actually, um, temperatures in there are bath water. They're in the upper 80s, close to 90 in some areas. So it's really, really, really warm water. And when they're, when the temperatures get that warm, um, we're looking at, uh, you know, just adding just so much fuel to these uh, hurricanes. So as long as as they don't have any shear to, to tear them apart, um, that fuel right there, they use it up real quickly and uh, really causes that low pressure to strengthen rapidly. Um, you know, it is a category one storm right now. We are expecting it to be a category three storm um, by tonight or tomorrow morning as it's crossing uh, Western Cuba. So uh, that would be wind speeds uh, greater than 115 miles per hour where we're sitting at about 75, 80 right now. So uh, that's going to be, that's a, that's a quick ramp up in intensity. And uh, we'll be watching that closely as it's going through the Gulf of Mexico as well. John, with that much pent up energy there in the warm waters of the Gulf, do you expect this hurricane season to accelerate now that we're finally seeing some action? Yeah, you know, I'm not a hurricane expert, but the the guys in our company that are saying, you know, there's there's plenty of little systems out there. Uh, we're still in peak hurricane season. We've got another few weeks of that. Really, mid October is when we we start to really see a decline uh, in the number of, of of systems. So we've got another few weeks. Uh, there's more things coming off the, uh, the the coast of Africa that that could uh, turn into stuff. There's there's one uh, right now in the central. Uh, Atlantic that could turn into something. But um, right now, the, the, the threats to the U.S. are pretty low uh, beyond Ian. Uh, we'll, obviously, we'll keep watching and, and we'll keep seeing if, if any of these keep tracking their way westward. But for, for right now, um, I think we're, we're pretty well shielded uh, for the next couple of weeks after Ian is, is, has left. All right, John, before we let you go, I want to get a check in from South America. Brazilian farmers are running. Is the weather cooperating down there? It really is. Uh, they're really looking out there in Brazil. Typically during La Nina, they don't get uh, very good rainfall over southern portions of the country. Uh, in central parts, portions of the country, usually their wet season starts a little bit late. But they got some pretty good rainfall last week. They're getting more good rainfall this week. And so everything's going right for, for the folks down in Brazil right now. Always things changing in agriculture. John Varanick of DTN Weather, thanks for joining us today. And folks, stick around. We'll talk with Jackie Fatka of Farm Progress when AOA returns. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. When you choose the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, you're putting proven yield advantage to work in your fields. Extend Flex soybeans offer elite genetics built on the proven performance of Roundup Ready to Extend soybeans. In fact, farmers saw a four bushel per acre advantage and a 70% average win rate over Enlist E3 soybeans in 2020 germplasm trials. The Roundup Ready Extend crop system, the system of choice. Always follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and all other stewardship practices. They say if you listen hard enough, you can hear the corn grow. It's true. When you're out in the field, you understand its challenges and what it needs to thrive. Channel Seedsmen bring insights from the field to our team of Bayer plant breeders. Their knowledge inspires our product development. From your best ground to your most challenging conditions, our products are designed to perform in your fields. Visit ChannelListens.com to see our latest innovations. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. This is AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Risvet with this market update. The grain markets were lower overnight and started off lower this morning. That is mostly because it's kind of a risk-off sentiment kind of day today with a lot of news coming in. We've got rising fear levels in Wall Street with the VIX hitting a new three-month high near 33 overnight. The dollar index surged to fresh 20-year highs that's above 114.5 overnight. And there are rumors circulating around that over the weekend, China's President Xi Jinping was removed as chairman 
chairman of the Central Military Commission and that he is under house arrest at some unknown location. Now that is impossible to verify and we are seeing little evidence of those rumors being true. Now there is no doubt that there are those in China who are very frustrated with Xi Jinping's leadership in handling the COVID pandemic. And a couple of things that point to the validity of that rumor is that they are seeing a cancellation of 60% of China's domestic flights and significant movements of military troops towards Beijing. Now, the latter is normal ahead of large events, such as the event coming up next month where Xi Jinping is supposed to be appointed to another four-year term at the 20th Congress, which will be convened on October 16th. But it also looks like those flights were canceled over time due to poor ridership as authorities provide significant disincentives to travel due to the desire to get COVID under control prior to that meeting of Congress. But the main things driving the markets today are the ongoing fears about inflation and the adverse effect of the hawkish monetary policy on the economy after last week's Federal Reserve raised the interest rates again. Treasury yields are soaring, raising fears about how high interest rates will put the brakes on the economy. And global currency traders have lost confidence in the British pound following the release of its economic plan that would cut taxes and increase stimulus payments at a time when its central bank is trying to engage in monetary tightening to control inflation itself. And so that is leading to fear building into the global markets. This is AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Ristvet. You're going to need me. You're going to need us. All of us. You're going to need our technical skills. Our math. Our engineering skills. You're going to need our help with your water. Your air. Your food. You're going to need our organizational skills. Our problem-solving skills. You're going to need our determination. Our honesty our compassion. You're going to need the next generation of leaders to face the challenges the future will bring. And we promise we'll be there when you need us. Today, 4-H is growing the next generation of leaders. Support us at 4-H.org. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. Information farmers and ranchers need to know. AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to AOA. And folks, if it sounds like I'm a little far away today, it's because I am. I'm in Kansas City here for the Kansas City Ag Outlook Conference. We're going to be talking about what's happening in ag policy, what's happening with ag economics. And I'm going to be bringing some of the speakers on the AOA show here over the next week. We'll be getting caught up with that. But We've also had policy moving quickly here in this election year, and Jackie Fecka, the policy editor over at Farm Progress, has been keeping track of things. And Jackie, I want to start because we've got coming up this week yet another confirmation hearing for Alexis Taylor, this time for the Ag Secretary. When are we going to get somebody installed in that role? Yeah, so actually she had her nomination hearing last Thursday, um, as well as the Undersecretary for Food Safety position at USDA, uh, and, and also a Farm Credit Administration nominee. So the Senate Ag uh, had them before the committee. It was about a two-hour hearing. Uh, looks like a lot of bipartisan support. Um, and then they have a business meeting scheduled for tomorrow, the 27th, to actually approve those nominations. And I don't anticipate any hurdles with the approval out of the Senate Ag, but then we wait for the full Senate to make that a vote. And, you know, you talked about Ag Trade, Alexis Taylor, uh, as the, uh, that undersecretary for trade, that, that position was basically created within the 2014 Farm Bill, and Ted McKinney was the first one to serve in that role. And uh, a lot of people see that as a, as a way to continue to advocate for the, the need to expand ag trade. But another important ag trade position is that chief ag negotiator, Doug McCallop, uh, a 
USDA advisor as well. That nomination has been cleared, but like I said, waiting for that full Senate vote. And actually just like last week, we had a, a, another letter asking for the Senate leaders to bring up his nomination on the full floor. Over 100 food and ag groups uh, asked for a, a floor vote on that because we have very few legislative days left before this Congress concludes. Jackie, to that end, Senator Charles Grassley was on the program here last week, and he mentioned he floated the idea of getting these nominees confirmed via unanimous consent. What does that mean, and how would it accelerate the process? So it just makes it a little quicker. Um, you know, these types of nominees that don't have any controversy coming with them, it basically just allows a, a unanimous vote, and they don't actually have to do a roll call individual up or down vote by every member. So it, it just takes a lot less time on the Senate floor to actually clear those. So it's actually a pretty common process. It, but the, at the end of the day, the, the leader still has to, to bring it to the floor. They still have to say, okay, we're going to, and sometimes they also lump several together. So if there's a lot of nominees that have been cleared out of committee, they can, they can lump them all together in kind of one bigger vote. So again, that speeds the process up a little bit more too. All right, so we'll continue to watch. We've got a few more hearings. We've got some more moves, but it sounds like that we could see some folks filling those roles here before the election. Jackie, that election is getting very, very close. So we're just around the corner. And yet, Senator Mike Rounds of South Dakota introduced the Trucks Act here this past week. You did a write-up on it. Tell us what he's looking to see done here with regulations in the trucking sector. Well, you know, um, a big issue with the 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 trucking industry really is the fact that we have very few uh, truckers to do a lot of the things that need to be done, right? We've we've got over 60,000 fewer truckers than we need to, to take all of our goods across the country. And, you know, the ag sector is, is somewhat, actually, I, I said 60,000, and actually it's 80,000 truck drivers that uh, were short. Um, in, in 2012, uh, President, then President Barack Obama, he had some legislation that that required some new regulations for entry level driving training, and that rulemaking actually finally went into effect this year, and, and it it required some new. Uh, just hoops that CDL um, have to complete. And so it, it's pretty timely and expensive. And so this new, this new legislation actually would, would limit, would lower some of those regulations for those folks who are going to be getting a small business restricted CDL. So for those that are driving for a smaller company. So a lot of ag, ag businesses, there's nine CDLs or less, then they wouldn't have to have this extra requirement to do, go through this extra entry-level driver training. Jackie, what's been the response so far to this introduction? Has the trucking industry come out one way or the other? Uh, you know, I think they're always in favor of lower regulations when it comes to trying to get more people to actually be able to fill those positions that I said we're, we're really short of. All right, Jackie, I want to take our focus to an upcoming event this week, the much-anticipated White House Conference on Hunger and Nutrition and Sustainability. They've been talking about this for the better part of a year. What do we know about this conference, and when is it supposed to be? Yeah, so this is the first conference uh, really focused on hunger and nutrition and health uh, that's taken place at the White House since President Nixon more than 40, 50 years ago. And so the, the hope is that it's going to really shine a light on how the government and the public and private sectors can come together to address ending hunger by their goal of 2030. And, um, you know, this is this is a lofty goal, but unfortunately, from what I'm hearing on the ground, um, this may not have been as focused as everybody would like. There's still a lot of questions on who's going to be there and what's going to happen. Uh, it, we do anticipate they're going to roll out a, a strategy on what the government wants to do to kind of catalyze that public and private sector and addressing that intersection between food, hunger, nutrition, and health. You know, there's a lot of criticism sometimes on ag programs on whether they actually help uh, encourage nutritious eating habits and with the school lunch program and how that also intersects with where funding goes and the encouragement of additional fruits and vegetables. But 
you know, how does labor fit into that as well? And so this, this is supposed to have, um, you know, a lot of the big names, Secretary Vilsack will be there, Health and Human Services Secretary will be there. Uh, but there's also been some pushback that the ag groups weren't invited to part of this conversation. Uh, obviously, they're the ones who are on the ground and whether they'll they'll have a, a big say in what comes out of this. I think this will be a lot of talk this week. And so I think the, the big deciding point is, you know, when there's talk, uh, what actions come out of that following up? That's a good point, Jackie. And I'm glad you mentioned the ag group sort of frustration at being kept on the outside. Have you heard, are they bringing any more farm groups into this big conversation? Yeah, so I heard that they'll be allowed, and this will be broadcast virtually, and so I think definitely um, these ag groups will be sure to be listening in and responding. And, and you know, like the dairy industry group, um, they uh, they had a, a poll that came out in anticipation of this. The uh, IDFA, the International Dairy Foods Association, was talking about how dairy products are nutritious and, and affordable and a, and a great opportunity to really make sure that those are included within the school lunch program, but also, you know, how do you support them and make sure that that's part of this discussion about healthy eating and, and SNAP and, and like I mentioned, the school lunch programs. And so there's going to be, you know, this is, this is just the start of this and and we'll see where it comes from, but the ag groups, they're not going to go away. They're going to make sure that they're aware of what's being discussed at this conference, uh, make sure that they are commenting on any national strategy if it if it does do something that would negatively impact the ag sector as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. The idea of having a hunger conference without the people who are producing the food that addresses the hunger seems a little short-sighted. Jackie, I want to turn the focus over to the Farm Bill. It is still coming. We're still seeing conversations heat up on those topics. Last week, forestry and conservation were in focus. Conservation is a hot topic right now. Are there any expected changes to the conservation title of the 23 uh, Farm Bill? You know, last week was just another opportunity for the House Ag Committee to do that oversight of the Farm Bill. So as they head into the next Farm Bill, you know, what worked with with what we had written in the, the previous Farm Bill and what changes need to be done in 2023. Um, some really interesting kind of just little ideas on uh, how to improve the CRP program, allowing grazing, because that actually has some good benefits for the environment, uh, reducing the um, just allowing cattle to graze directly on CRP. Um, I think we're we're still trying to figure out with what was included in the F- Inflation Reduction Act that extra money for EQIP and CSP. Those were two farm bill programs, and we devoted almost twenty billion dollars to to conservation programs within IRA. And so I think we're still trying to figure out how does that also mesh with the farm bill debate. Is that extra money? Is that money on the side? Is that going to require any extra authority from Congress to to change things if that has to be changed? I think there is there was a difference really between the Republicans and the Democrats in that conservation hearing is is how we handle that $20 billion that came out of the RI. IRA, the Inflation Reduction Act that just passed here in the in Congress about a month ago. And it's that $20 billion that's creating the challenges between the we can't use the Commodity Credit Corporation this way and yes, we can sides of the Senate, right? Yeah. Um, and, and for those of you who follow my blog on DC, DC Dialogue blog on Farm Futures, I, I wrote something recently because there is a lot of those concerns on on how CCC funds are being used to do that. But um, but that, that some of those concerns are more how the USDA is using that one one billion now, three point five billion for the Climate Smart Commodity Partnerships. Those are big dollar figures. Jackie Fatka, policy editor at Farm Progress. Thanks for keeping track of these issues for us. Great talking with you. Have a great week, Mike. Thank you. And folks, stick around. We'll have more AOA coming up after this. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. What do Mick Jagger, Barbara Walters, and Star Jones all have in common? They've all suffered from something called heart valve disease. 
Heart valve disease affects 11 million Americans and if left untreated can lead to death. Unfortunately, less than one in four Americans have much knowledge of this disease that kills more than 25,000 people every year. The good news is that if heart valve disease is treated, patients can recover and live long, happy, and productive lives. But in order to treat heart valve disease, you need to know if you have it. If you or your loved ones are over the age of 65, have been treated with radiation to the chest, have been diagnosed with a heart murmur, or have a history of heart disease, it's time to listen to your heart. Ask your doctor today about screening for heart valve disease. A message brought to you by Heart Valve Voice US. For more information about the symptoms and treatment for valve disease, go to heartvalvevoice-us.org. 54. So, basically, it's too late to start saving for retirement, right? Not right. Starting to save, even in your 50s, can really make a difference. Well, right now, saving seems hard to wrap my head around. Plus, with the way this year's been going... <laughs> hey, listen. It's okay. You still got this. Just go to aceyourretirement.org. It's an online tool from AARP that can help you get your retirement savings on track no matter your age. It's free and only takes about three minutes. I like three minutes. Yeah. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll chat with Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach. Just answer a few questions and you'll get a personalized plan and tips to help boost your retirement savings. Tips that are easy to understand and tailored to your lifestyle. I like that too. Plus, it's sponsored by AARP, so you know they got your back. Just head to aceyourretirement.org and make your plan to start saving for retirement. Thanks. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Choose the proven performance of the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, featuring high-yielding Extend Flex soybeans and the exceptional weed control of Extend-to-Max herbicide with vapor grip technology. Elite genetics, triple herbicide tolerance, flexibility that delivers results, backed by 25 years of innovation. That's the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, the system of choice. Extend-to-Max is a restricted-use pesticide. Always follow stewardship practices, all pesticide label directions, and check with your state pesticide regulatory agency for specific restrictions in your state. They say if you listen hard enough, you can hear the corn grow. It's true. When you're out in the field, you understand its challenges and what it needs to thrive. Channel Seedsmen bring insights from the field to our team of Bayer plant breeders. Their knowledge inspires our product development. From your best ground to your most challenging conditions, our products are designed to perform in your fields. Visit ChannelListens.com to see our latest innovations. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Tune in the first Wednesday of every month to listen to The Monthly Grind here on AOA. It's brought to you by our friends at the National Corn Growers Association, and each month we're going to dig into one specific aspect of corn demand. What happens to this grain after it leaves your operations and enters the global supply chain? That's what we're going to talk about each month on The Monthly Grind. Again, that's the first Wednesday of every month, and you can also find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. It's a show you don't want to miss. Smart stays on the road. That's why it's in your engine. Because you wouldn't settle for subpar performance. Cenex Maxtron synthetic diesel engine oils give you the smartest oil for the toughest conditions. These premium oils maintain 80% of their viscosity throughout the drain interval for superior engine performance across extreme temperatures. That horizon looks good with the competition behind you. Cenex Maxtron diesel engine oils. Oil that runs smart. And we're live here outside the Perez family home just waiting for the... And there they go, almost on time this morning. Mom is coming out the front door strong with a double-arm kid carry. Looks like Dad has the bags. Daughter is bringing up the rear. Oh, but the diaper bag wasn't closed. Diapers and toys are everywhere. Ooh, but Mom has just nailed the perfect car seat buckle for the toddler. And now the eldest daughter, who looks to be about 9 or 10, has secured herself in the booster seat. Dad zips the bag closed, and they're off. Ah, but looks like Mom doesn't realize her coffee cup is still on the roof of the car. And there it goes. Oh, that's a shame. That mug was a fam favorite. Don't sweat the small stuff. Just nail the big stuff. Like making sure your kids are buckled correctly in the right seat for their age and size. Learn more at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around.
Information farmers and ranchers need to know. AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to AOA. Well, folks, we have been talking quite a bit about the protein markets. And we've been talking, we spoke with Darren Newsom earlier on the show about the cattle markets and what he is seeing develop in that sector. We've also talked on this program about alternative proteins, the much lauded fake meats that were really pushed out here three or four years ago to much fanfare. In the press, we saw all sorts of press releases as various fast food chains were adding these, these plant-based imitation meat products to their menu, and they were being rolled out at grocery stores around the country. Well, they did see pretty substantial growth, two or three years of double-digit growth in demand for those alternative meat proteins, but... It would appear as though that growth has stalled. Deloitte Consulting recently published a full report, and they were digging into the alternative protein space, looking back for the past several years. They leaned on Information Resources, Inc. for alternative meat data going back year over year from September 4th, 2021 through September 4th, 2022. And folks, what they found was that that growth in alternative meat demand has not only has it stopped, it has reversed meat demand, excuse me, alternative meat, fake meat, the plant-based protein demand is down 10.5% year over year. Now, Deloitte ran this, and what they were asking was, A, are you still willing to write a bigger check for some alternative meat, and if so, why? And this is where I think the survey's results are interesting. What has changed over this past year beyond consumers' willingness to write that larger check is their perception of how fake meat is for their health and for the environment. And both cases, Deloitte found substantial drops in those beliefs for shoppers who are looking at alternative proteins. That is to say, they used to think that alternative protein was better for them and better for the planet, and now fewer people as a percentage think that. I think as somebody who works a lot with livestock producers, that's a good thing. I think now we can see the American consumer come back to strong, sustainable sources of protein grown on fields and farms across this country, and it would appear that that's what the American consumer is doing. Every month, we like to check in with Professor Glenn Tonser of Kansas State University. He and K-State and um, the Beef Checkoff have been running a program called the Meat Demand Monitor, and they've been looking at the consumer's I guess, ideas about the protein space more broadly. And he's found that the American consumer has been willing to get in there and buy protein. And we'll check in with Glenn here once the month of October gets started. He gets those numbers for us pretty quickly. I want to take our focus away from protein and back to the broad market. Folks, we have been talking so much currency risk on this podcast, so much energy risk on this radio program. We have been talking so much about the broad macro impacts that are affecting agriculture, and they are continuing. For the past several years, if you were a trader working on Wall Street or you know in Chicago somewhere, the saying was cash is trash. The return on investment was out there if you were willing to push that money out into the financial system. Don't sit on the cash was the 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 guiding principle 2008 through this year through 2022. Cash is trash was the mindset. Well, folks, that has changed as we are seeing traders continue to pull their money out of the financial system. They don't know where to go. There are very few compelling stories. Asset prices are extremely high throughout the system. And what they're doing is they are sitting on their piles of cash. This is a huge trend, huge change in trader mindset. In just 18 months, as of right now, traders in this country, investors in this country, have 4.6 trillion, that's trillion with a T, in cash stacked in money market mutual funds. That's a pile of money, ladies and gentlemen. When we talk to Darren, when we talk to Arlen, when we talk to our market analyst friends about that outside money, that managed money moving into these markets, this is that money we're talking about. This is a pool of funds that just is sitting there waiting for an investable moment to come in and start moving some markets. Now, the downside, of course, is we're not seeing those investable markets make themselves apparent today. We are watching the dollar continue to climb, folks. This is creating headwinds 
for American businesses. It's creating headwinds for American commodity exporters, which, folks, if you are in production agriculture, guess what? You are a commodity exporter, and this dollar strength is going to create some challenges. In fact, Morgan Stanley issued a report this morning. They say this strength in the dollar, and let's remember the dollar index to put some numbers to it, it's up 19% this year. That means the value of the dollar compared to international currencies, we can think about the euro, think about the Great British pound and the Swiss franc, against those other currencies, the U.S. dollar is now worth 20% more, almost. That's huge, and Morgan Stanley believes that is going to lop as much as 10% off earnings in U.S. companies here as we get through this year. Um, they, this has been the biggest global event, according to Morgan Stanley, since the 2008 global financial crisis and the 2012 sovereign debt crisis. Both of those events changed the way investors view the market. And Morgan Stanley thinks this shift, the shift away from quantitative easing, this shift away from put all of our money into the market and get it invested to, whoa, let's sit on some cash is going to create headwinds. We'll be watching this as it plays out here in the near future. I also wanted to give an update, agricultural news. We do have some more bad news. Continue to see avian influenza rear its head. APHIS confirmed last week that a Colorado operation with just over a million laying hens was confirmed with HPAI. This is in combination with a couple other cases. We saw one in Minnesota. We saw one in Utah. South Dakota has some pending cases. North Dakota and Idaho all together that 1.3 million birds are going to be depopulated as a result of these latest case books. This brings the total number of birds depopulated through this HPAI outbreak over the past year to nearly 46 and a half million birds. That's a big number. Folks, thanks for tuning in to AOA today. Join us tomorrow. We'll talk about more of what's happening in the beef industry, and we'll look at what's driving these markets in the world of agriculture. Thanks for tuning in. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. When you choose the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, you're putting proven yield advantage to work in your fields. Extend Flex soybeans offer elite genetics built on the proven performance of Roundup Ready to Extend soybeans. In fact, farmers saw a four bushel per acre advantage and a 70% average win rate over Enlist E3 soybeans in 2020 germplasm trials. The Roundup Ready Extend crop system, the system of choice. Always follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and all other stewardship practices. They say if you listen hard enough, you can hear the corn grow. It's true. When you're out in the field, you understand its challenges and what it needs to thrive. Channel Seedsmen bring insights from the field to our team of Bayer plant breeders. Their knowledge inspires our product development. From your best ground to your most challenging conditions, our products are designed to perform in your fields. Visit ChannelListens.com to see our latest innovations. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. You are not your diagnosis. A medical chart is not your identity and vision loss does not define you. Your drive shows who you are. And you are not alone. Because we are driven too. To be a beacon of strength. A champion of courage. An advocate for hope. You are not alone. Because we are stronger together. We drive the research for the cures we are finding. We're fighting macular degeneration retinitis pigmentosa, Usher syndrome, and the entire spectrum of blinding retinal diseases. We fund. We fight. We, we win. We, 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 we are, are the, the Foundation, foundation Fighting, fighting blindness. blindness. Together, we are fighting blindness. Join the fight at fightingblindness.org.